Handy History Teaching Tips, blogs in a conversational style. Handy History Teaching Tips are conversational podcasts designed to help history teachers with tips, examples and ideas about history teaching. Sally Thorne, that's me, is a head of department and senior examiner. Helen Snelson was a head of department and now trains history teachers. Between us, we have more years classroom history teaching experience than we are going to admit here. Both of us regularly write resources and present at conferences. We are proudly history specific and practical in our approach. Our hope is that this podcast will become something of a problem page for history teachers. Think of Helen and I as your agony aunts. If you're wrestling with something particularly tricky and need some help, drop us an email at handyhistoryteachingtips at gmail.com or tweet us. I'm at Mrs Thorne and Helen is at Snelson H. And we will see what we can cook up between us. Hi, listeners. We're interrupting our current series of Doing History Better to share a podcast that we recorded with Carmel Bones way back in February when we still thought there were going to be exams last summer. So Carmel has some fantastic ideas for revision. And rather than wait to put this out next summer, we thought it would be a good idea to put it out now when everybody is probably revising for mocks. So enjoy this smorgasbord of fantastic revision ideas, courtesy of Carmel Bones. This is part of the series Revising History, in which we share our best subject specific ideas for helping students to prepare in these final months before their exams. So here we are, Helen. It is nearly the Easter holidays and we have five weeks of of teaching left after half term, possibly less than five weeks if your students are going off. I know my A-level students are sitting their first paper before May half term. So, uh, yeah, I guess people are, are looking for some last minute ideas now. Yeah, it comes around so fast, doesn't it, in some ways. And yet also, there's still all to play for. Absolutely brilliant time. It's just um, absolutely fab news. Should we, let, should we let people into the secret that this is a three-way conversation today? Because we're very excited to be joined by the fabulous Carmel Bones, who oh, yes. many of you will know. Welcome, Carmel. Thanks for coming to share your wisdom with us. We're just so much today going to sit and listen to you. Um, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll probably yeah. chat away, but. Go on, Carmel, what would you do? It's Easter. Start us off. Well, thank you very much for having me, ladies. I'm very honoured to be part of this very prestigious broadcast and very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, the thing is about revision now, the way the the new sort of strengthened exams have gone, um, it's almost like, you know, the advert used to be about the puppy dog is for life and not just for Christmas. You've kind of got to be revising and reminding yourself of things as you're going along, piece by piece, yeah. over the course of the two years, whether it's GCSE or A-level. Um, so that I would hope that most teachers would have dropped some great approaches in as, they've gone, as they're going along anyway. But really, as we get towards the end and students are getting jaded, but they know they've got all this graph to do, and there's a lot of solitary effort at home, you know, poring over their folders and files, hopefully. I think the thing to do in class, first of all, is to make it quite sociable and fun. So things like verbal tennis, where you get two students out at the front and you give them a topic and the rules are that, you know, the first person to hesitate when they're saying words backwards and forwards is out. 
So the rest of the class can kind of be the judges um, and you can have a bit of fun. You can even have a couple of teachers going head to head to kick, <laughs> you know, kickstart the event, which we used to do in the department. And um, then say to the students, well, you know, what did we miss and what did we not talk about? Because under pressure, quite often there can be gaps in the knowledge. And the great thing about a revision game like that is it allows people to see where gaps are as well. So as well as um, a kind of couple up at the front doing it, you could have it in little groups on tables. But the thing that's really important is there's no point going over and revising all the things that you already know because you know you're patting yourself on the back and thinking yeah yeah we know all this it's about being honest and thinking where are your gaps so in lessons there's scope to offer students choice as well to pair up and hive off and test each other and work things out particularly bespoke to where their gaps are so a mixture of whole class stuff and individual and small group stuff so something like verbal tennis is a great one um yeah. some summarizing pyramids are also really good to get students to reduce down their notes um real old-fashioned ideas you know like write cover check that type of thing where you're reading something you're kind of then trying to paraphrase it and you're covering it over and paraphrasing it and then you're lifting your hand up again and you're checking how like you know it really is you know how how much you've remembered and retained um you know all kinds of things like obviously timelines if you need to get the knowledge and understanding into your head you love a timeline yeah. absolutely love a timeline and timeline with um you know little emojis on a bit of dual coding pictures that might help you i was just doing a big revision conference last week and um lot about thousand students overall came and we were talking about elizabethan england and william cecil being a stabilizer stabilizing influence on elizabeth and i was thinking you could draw him on a bike with stabilizers you know whatever <laughs> will make it stick in your mind is very important and also thinking about metacognitive questions and saying to your students how are you actually going to remember this because remembering and understanding are very personal uh, sort of experiences and we all have our own little daft kind of crazy quirky ways of remembering things so encouraging students to think about those kind of things so that they will stick in their minds whether it's you know um, a mnemonic or some kind of analogy or whatever will help it stick with them i think devoting some time to helping them do that some students like making up songs or raps or links of words and you know drawing out memory palaces where they've kind of almost got like um the layout of a house and they go from room to room thinking about different topics everybody's so different that choice i think is very important oh yeah i yeah i completely agree it's, it's really good to have kind of that mixed economy and, and getting students to yeah so it's no good when when you say right set yourself a target what what could you do better next time and they say oh well I'll just revise more well but <laughs> you know so either you didn't revise at all or you need to do something different for next so what exactly are you going to do I think that's a really important conversation to have with students around yeah, 
watching. Yeah. And I think it puts them on side as well, doesn't it? I mean, I, you know, you get that kid that says, oh, can I write in colours? It's like, yeah, you absolutely can. Of course you can. If that's what makes you feel happier at this stage, colour everything, because that, that may help get things in their minds as well. Although we always used to make a joke about, but don't write and colour anything in yellow and orange because you'll hate yourself under an electric light for revision purposes. You know, it just, yeah, keeps it light. I think you're so right, Carmel. It's just, uh, otherwise it gets utterly deadly, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think you do have to um, think about the starting point of the students. And I know there's a lot of talk about, oh, ban the highlighter pens and all of this. Well, I would agree with you, Helen, in that it's if they're going to motivate you to get started, then get your fancy stationery out, if that's yeah. what turns you on, and <laughs> yeah. do it and at least get going. You know, I've got my own daughters in the house here studying GCSE and A-level, and whatever works for them is absolutely fine. You know, it's really what works for you. And also, of course, building regular breaks, you know, um, have the carrot of something nice to be doing later on if that motivates you you know it's very very personal um you know things like thinking about the timing as well um you know revision clocks and breaking it down spilling things out quite often doing big picture broad strokes revision at first can be quite confident building because you feel like you've kind of in a fashion covered everything and you've got a bit of a working knowledge of it all and that makes you feel quite pleased with yourself and proud of yourself but then be honest with yourself and drill down into the areas that you really don't know and if you you know to sort of paraphrase sort of Chomsky you know if you don't know what you don't know then find out, do some check tests and quizzes, there's all kinds of online you know flashcard apps, Quizlet, Seneca Learning, My Revision Notes, I've got online platforms to support them. There's apps, there's all kinds of things that you can use to find out where your gaps are. And then when you establish where the gaps are, spend longer time on those. Obviously, um, referring to all the exam board materials, questions, questions, questions. So whenever I've done some student voice work, students who've done really well in GCSE and gone on to A-level say, Practicing questions is the key to success. The usual stuff about, um, you know, using examiner's reports, mark schemes. I know this is maybe more exam technique style, but it's all part of revision. It's all part of revising and preparation for the exam ahead. Yeah, and I think when when you're into the, like, I don't, I wouldn't use exam reports often with my classes, but in these last few weeks, when you're coming up to, to the end, it's important, I think, you're, you're almost... Look, we need to just peek behind the curtain and think about what the examiners really, you know, what are they what are they talking about? Now that you know the content, let's think about what what you know, what suggestions are they making for these final few weeks that you could do that's going to make a difference. So I think those examiners reports can be really valuable. Yeah, they can definitely. And looking at the kind of indicative content as well, because, you know, you know, the knowledge and understanding is one thing. But in all honesty, students have to then do what I would call mental gymnastics in the exam because they've got all this big load of stuff in their mind, but they've got to twist it and turn it to, you know, answer the question given. And that's the bit, that's where the skill lies, I think. I remember coming out of my own A-level exam hundreds of years ago and thinking, 
God, I used about 5% of what I was taught. <laughs> I think I've done it wrong. And I went up to my history teacher and went, I've done it wrong. I only like wrote about 5% of all the stuff you taught us. And she went, that's brilliant. You'll have got an A because you'll have selected it. It's brilliant. And I was a nervous wreck thinking I'd done it wrong, but she was right. I hadn't done it wrong. But there's a real skill in knowing what to put in and what to leave out. So I think yes. that's where the use of the questions, questions, questions is one part of it um towards the end as well but also you know fun things in class like plickers for instance plickers are fabulous where you're giving students multiple choice options and you can give them think very carefully about the distractors and the you know the other um options that you're presenting them with so that you're creating some pitfalls and yes. you're creating some traps for them to fall into at this late stage um something else as well that I used to do with A-level a lot is to carve up all the topics and do, you know, if you had it, if you really wanted to be sort of quite chuck the class in at the deep end, I would carve up all the topics and just make a lucky dip. And the students would come in and do a lucky dip and take a topic out of, you know, out of the hat kind of thing. And they had to make one revision page on that topic for everybody else. And then I used to gather them all in. And because there was an audience, you know, they were revising kind of for their mates. They really put their backs into it and made it look brilliant. And then I just used to photocopy them all and staple them all together and give them a revision booklet that way. And then again, they had the big picture covered. Um, if there was time, of course, presentations as well and talking about things, um, because talking about things and sharing and swapping ideas can really embed things into students' minds rather than it being such a solitary pursuit. And I think we've got to think about, you know, mental health and people getting stressed and anxious and worried. And the more that you can talk and have some pals and make it a bit sociable, rather like we're doing tonight, I think it shares the load. And if you, you know, call a couple of friends up or whatever and just run things past them, that can help ease your worries as well and get yourselves back on track yeah yeah and I, I try to suggest with my students now use some of their preferred apps in um in their revision so I might say you know right okay this is what I want you to do I want you to draw um I, I mean I quite like the the whole house analogy so draw a draw a house and in each room I want you to put like medieval medicine in this room and early modern in this room and once you finish your drawing then take a picture of it and send it to your friends on snapchat and <laughs> so that they can see it as well um i probably have to think about how they might be able to use tiktok now i can't i can't keep up with these cool kid apps but uh, <laughs> yes so i think i agree it's like it's something where you you need to, to they need to think about how they can use their usual everyday tools that revision doesn't have to be something that happens in the classroom or in a book or in you know it, it can happen anywhere um and yeah if you if they can find ways to access it kind of when they're out and about and using their phones then that's I think that's really good oh definitely definitely man and things like um you know obviously podcasts in our time making put these on double speed if that'll help if you're on the bus to school or anything yeah, yeah. St you know study tracks all of these kinds of things can help students certainly um, working on the move as well. I mean, another another great one, a bit like verbal tennis, is the idea of bunch of fives. 
I don't, I kind of, um, you're thinking about audio recordings and this is kind of something that I've sort of, sort of taken from the radio as well, um, where you get, two students can say to each other, bet you can't name, you know, five medical pioneers, for instance, or bet you can't name five suggested causes of the Black Death or whatever it might be. And you've got to try and get a bunch of fives. And if you can't name five, then you've got a gap there. And that's what you need to go back to. Oh, that's a nice one. That's a really nice one. Definitely stealing that one. Yeah. So you can also, um, well, it's it's actually, uh, Sarah Cox on Radio 2 plays Bunch of Fives with two competitors. And um, Karen Knight, a great history teacher on Twitter, made a kind of Bunch of Fives sort of template. Um, well, she'd done it of her, her own accord, but I've kind of thought of a verbal way of doing it. So if you can't list five things and you can only list five, uh, let, list three, let's say, then that's a gap in your knowledge and you know you need to try and go back and close that gap. So it's about revealing and being honest with yourself. So a bunch of fives is another quite nice one to think about as well. Yeah. Um, just as well, you know, revision clocks, I think I might have mentioned. Um, things like also making sure you've got a glossary to hand so that when you're revising, if you encounter strange words, literally don't just gloss over them, get the glossary out and really fully remind yourself what that word means so that you are embedding the knowledge and you've got the subject specific words, um, you know, in your memory banks, kind of at your fingertips to spill out when it comes to the exam. Um, another great thing to do is to play a game of word association. So you say to the students, write Jesuits and say, bet you can't associate 10 other words with that. And they're thinking, oh God, Jesuits, all right, missionaries, um, Catholics, um, plots, um, Spain, um, continental, you know, and so all of a sudden they're from one word, they're broadening it out. So you've got that micro focus initially where you think you don't know anything and you're, you're at word level and then macro focus, all of a sudden you're getting the maps out, you're getting the timelines out and you've really broadened out your knowledge. Yeah, I love that. That's a really good idea. It's, it's, it reminds me a bit of, of, so I was talking in an earlier episode about categories where you try and think of words yeah. in different categories with the same letter, but that's it's almost this kind of similar, but you're just trying to think of as many words. Yeah, I yeah, I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's sometimes a kind of like a spill and sort activity. So you spill out those words kind of category style and then you start to classify them and categorise them. So if we go back to the Jesuits example and then you're looking at plots and you might say Edmund Campion and you're looking at individuals and then you sort of start to then build up all what's the cause of what they're doing and what's the consequence of what they're doing and you can categorize everything that way and all of a sudden you kind of end up with the skeleton of a possible exam answer question you know and then draw out some possible questions that there have been and reward yourself pat yourself on the back and make yourself think well actually I do know more than I thought because it's it's very important for students to feel a bit of success as well as struggle. If it's too much struggle, it's demoralising and discouraging. So there's a real fine balance to be struck, particularly at this crunch time. Oh yeah, yeah. They they do need a bit of confidence building, don't they, at this sort of time? Oh, they do, they do. And also to make it enjoyable. I mean, I would say to my guys sometimes when you've been poring over your folders or your books or whatever, well then knock it off and watch a watch a history program you know yeah. 
watch an episode of History File or something, um, go on YouTube, um, listen to a podcast, just mix it up with some visuals or something that's different to the reading. Do the bit of reading, a bit of talking, um, a bit of listening, really mix it up. And also there's, a, there's a, quite a lot of research that suggests that if you go somewhere different, even having a different room in the house for, or, or go to the library or on the bus or whatever, if you've got a really tricky topic, then set yourself an intention of learning about that in a different place and it will make it stickier because you'll associate that revision with, oh, that's the time I was in Costa or that's the time I was in the library. You know, it'll stick with you as well. Yeah, um, my um, my old head of department used to do a walking tour of the school. Um, so before the lesson, he'd go out and stick stuff up like, OK, this is the tennis courts, this is the sports or this is the gym. And then the class would go on a walk and, you know, they get to the tennis courts and he'd say, right, OK, tell me, I don't know, we're doing America. Tell me everything that you can remember about the Plains Indians and have a look around and, you know, picture them um, in, in this kind of area and that sort of thing. And he always felt that that was really successful um, with, the, you know, that then when they got into the classroom they'd be able to visualize okay well I was standing here and this person said this and yes I think that's a really really good one yeah it's just a bit of variety as well isn't it it just breaks up the monotony gets some fresh air gets some oxygen to the brain yes yes (laughs) I know actually and gets the body moving as well there's a lot of it sedentary but thinking and talking and moving is is very very important another um neat one that I thought about ages ago but I was reminded about it recently um reading um john mitchell's 100 revision ideas book and it's quite appropriate because it is 2020 this year so it's the idea of a petu kutcher have you heard of this no well a petu kutcher is 20 images 20 seconds each so basically say you were flicking through um a textbook you might take an image or a source or a statement or a sentence or something off each page or whatever it might be. If you broke a topic down into 20 categories, you find 20 associated images and you maybe you might make a Prezi or a PowerPoint of them or something. And you have them on the screen then for 20 seconds each and you can present it to your friends or you can look at it yourself and make notes and remind yourself as a trigger. But it kind of lasts. Each one then lasts strictly six minutes and 40 seconds. And Petra Kutcher, it, it originated in Japan and it's Japanese, I think, roughly for chit chat. And it's right. like, can you chit chat about these 20 pictures kind of for 20 seconds? And if you can, then brilliant. You've thoroughly learnt that topic. And if you can't or you've got gaps, then you need to go back to it. So I was thinking the teacher could make a 20 picture, pet, a 20 picture, Petra Kutcher, um, to sort of start the ball rolling and then encourage students to make them as well. And they could even email them into the, to the teacher, um, maybe send them in by WeTransfer or something, because they probably be quite large documents, and use those in class as well. So a picture picture is something for home and away. That's brilliant. And, you know, if you actually put those images into uh, a small film clip and then got the kids to do a voiceover, and the voiceover yeah. had to last for as long as the image was on the screen. Yes, 
that yep. would work too. Lovely. Absolutely. Isn't Absolutely. It? Yeah. It's a bit like the old-fashioned kind of just a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not quite as intimidating as a minute. <laughs> exactly, because it's only a third of a minute. Yeah, the 20 seconds. So, um, so it that goes on when you've dried up, though, doesn't it? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. But I just thought, because Petra Kutcher is the 2020, 20 images, 20 seconds, and it's 2020, that might be... Okay, very would, nice. You'd get a bit of learner buy-in from that, I think. They would feel quite special that that was something happening for their, yeah. the class of 2020 made a few Petra Kutcher's maybe. Um, yeah. And they happen apparently in cities all over the world now. Started in Tokyo, I believe. But these Petra Kutcher evenings happen where people talk about topics that are... Um, you know their their hobbies, their interests, whatever it might be. I was thinking in some, um, you know, the HA conference or SHP or something. It might be a way forward. It might be a presenting technique. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So rather than a, a massive PowerPoint with loads of information on it, you just have the pictures. Yeah. It just has to talk. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be good. Do you know that would stop my year 13s from trying to take pictures of the board while I'm standing in front of. <laughs> which I have, is one of my least favourite things ever. That's rude, rude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So, yeah. Carmel, these, these ideas are great. Thank you so much for coming and, and sharing them with us. I, I, you know, I've, I've definitely got some things that I'm going to be doing um, with my students after the Easter holidays. It's just really generous of you to give up your time and to give your ideas. But thank you so much for coming on. It is just like good revision. It's like having new voice, having companionship, having fresh, fresh, fresh uh, thinking is just so brilliant. Thanks so much, Carmel. Oh, you're very, very welcome. I hope people find it of use and I'd love to hear any feedback from anyone who, you know, has got some tips and uh, it's enhanced their practice as well. Thank you both for having me. Okay. Take care. See you Bye. soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.